0: Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending upon where you are, meridian-wise, around this rotating planetary sphere, hurtling through space at uncountless thousands of miles per hour and miles per second in many different directions simultaneously. Well, this morning on the other side of midnight, we're going to kind of continue the conversation that we had uh, last night, which is, who the hell are we? What are we doing in this place? Who are our real ancestors? Who, in fact, among us may have uh, origins that are not quite here? And I'll explain what I mean as we get into the conversation. Let me start out with a couple of uh, items at the top here. Um, Federal officials just have admitted they made a boo-boo. Apparently, a huge series of files were made public by the internet, uh, the old internet. On Native American sites and artifacts, and the reason this is important is because we're going to be talking about Native Americans and Native American traditions and origins and bloodlines and connections and mythologies, which really are, in many cases, more like disguised history. We'll get into all that, but you know, they're they're saying it's an oops, and one kind of wonders, is it really an oops, or was this part of some other? Um, plan item number two again you can see these if you want to click on them and read them in detail go to the other side of midnight.com click on tonight's graphic for july 15th sunday night with uh, michael hill as my guest click on that graphic and then that will take you to michael's guest page scroll down to radio with pictures to my items which are right there close to the top and item number two um We're getting more intriguing, shall we say, leaks from inside NASA. Several astronauts now have kind of come forward in various ways and said things casually like, oh, we could have been on Mars 50 years ago. Or the reason we haven't gone back to the moon in the last 45 years is because money. It's only about money, which, of course, can be changed with the political wave of the wand. In other words, the people have to want to do these things. And there hasn't been much reason over the last 45, 50 years to want to do some of these things. And I have a feeling that's going to change. In fact, I have a feeling it's changing. And one of the changes may be taking place in Helsinki in a few hours. We will be watching that very carefully. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a minute. Later this year, um, Israel is planning to launch a spacecraft, an unmanned spacecraft. Roughly 1,300-pound spacecraft, which is the lightest spacecraft ever sent, to the moon. Unmanned mission to the moon by the Israelis. And they're going to leave in December, the end of this year, 2018. And they'll kind of lollygag around. I mean, that's kind of a flip way of saying it. But they've, they're they using a particular orbit, which allows them to kind of get to the moon very, very slowly. Several other Nations and missions to the moon have used this same orbital celestial mechanics to save fuel. And uh, it's being launched on one of Elon Musk's Falcon 9 rockets, which technically really shouldn't be able to get stuff to the moon that can do anything. But in this case, because of the combination of ingenuity and the right trajectory, they will be landing. These, uh, this is the Israelis now. They'll be landing their unmanned spacecraft on the moon on February 13th and I've been looking and looking and thinking and thinking. why is that important? What's what's mythologically or ritually or ceremonially or, you know, important about that date. If there's anybody who knows some interesting Jewish history out there, send me a note through discord or the open hailing frequencies room and let me know, and it will be forwarded to me and I will read it on the air, but there's gotta be something about February 13th, 2019. Uh, Now, the thing they're not telling us, which I find very intriguing, they're not telling us where they're going to land. If they know when they're going to land to the day and the hour, why won't they tell us where? Um, That'd be interesting. But let's kind of find someone to pursue that. Find out if there's something in Jewish history, in Jewish mythology, in Jewish uh, tradition about February 13th. And item number four, if you're scanning down my, my items. The Kremlin hopes that the Helsinki summit tomorrow in you know a few hours may pave the way for the president to visit Moscow. I mean, what's going on between Trump and Putin? And why? I mean, this is really weird. There's no real reason for these guys to physically meet. They talk on the phone. We know that. We don't have any notes, but we know they talk on the phone. And many times we find it out from the Russians before we find it out from you know Sarah. But in this case, they want to meet first alone, and they're talking about that meeting, that single meeting where the two guys and two interpreters will be in a room alone for hours. What can you imagine that these two leaders could talk about alone with no one witnessing except for the translators for hours? Now, my suspicion is it has nothing to do with the Middle East. It has nothing to do with the EU, has nothing to do with NATO, has nothing to do with uh, China or Korea or whatever. I think it's something so much bigger. In fact, I think it's kind of part of tonight's conversation with my guest. And as the morning progresses, we will explore some potential avenues of that potential connection. So without further ado, let me get to my main guest of the morning, my only guest of the morning. Michael Lee Hill is an award-winning musician, filmographer, and UFO experiencer. Throughout his life, Michael has experienced ET contact and happenings, including developing an intuitive relationship with the craft and those, of course, who are in the craft. In his home state of Ohio, they, we know who they are, began to communicate with Michael through telepathy at an early age. They revealed themselves in the physical as orbs of light or plasma over Lake Erie much, much later, and allowed Michael to film them. For years, he's been cataloging video after video of the UFOs over Lake Erie. When his footage went viral, which was, I think, 2008, we'll check that, gaining worldwide attention, he landed up on a primetime television show called UFO Hunters, on the History Channel. The phenomena consists almost entirely of pulsing orbs of light, unusual light seen changing colors, converging and separating over the lake. Stories of the unexplained phenomena date back over 150 years to the indigenous North American tribes who lived there then. And We're going to talk at some length about those tribes and their connections to the things we talked about Last night. On one episode, UFO hunters decided to test his blood. This is Michael now. And it was revealed that he does not have normal human blood. I have no idea what that means, but we're going to find out. UFO hunters uncovered a very rare blood anomaly bloodline that the world's best military and civilian doctors are at a loss to explain. They suggest that somehow, some way, he could be a hybrid between E.T. and humans. Or put another way, apropos of last night, maybe he's just one of the family and the blood types are more common than we might think, but since nobody really is testing for them, who knows? Michael then contacted was then contacted by a branch of the government called the Labyrinth Group. We'll find out about that. And he discovered some startling revelations. Over the years, E.T.'s began teaching Michael healing codes for life via crop circles the codes in the crops the sharing of this wisdom is the focus of his creative expression in film in art and in music so without further ado michael lee hill this is your life no actually this is the other side of midnight welcome (laughs) Uh, how you doing richard i'm doing great i'm really looking forward to this conversation because last night we were exploring the idea that humans, or at least some Homo sapiens, really had their origins on a place not far away and visible in the pre-dawn skies now called Mars. And they were taken there, they matriculated, they developed multiple civilizations, and then when things got really, 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 really bad, they had to come back, they had to come home, they had to come to Earth. So you're discussions about contact with ETs who are kind of speaking the same language, I don't find strange at all because the data is there to support an extraordinary origin for I'm not saying everyone on Earth, but for a subset a subgroup of humans on this planet, I think their or our, because I don't know whether I'm in the group or not um, origins could be conceived to be off world so where do we begin? I think we probably should begin with your childhood. You grew up in Ohio. I was uh, lived in Indiana for a long time. idyllic places, except in the summer when you know the humidity is too high. What was it in your childhood that first made you realize that um, life's not exactly what we've been taught? Well, you know, from an early age,
1: I would have these visits from what I could only process as a child as Santa Claus's elves. My mom said, I used to ask her, you know, why is Santa Claus's elves coming to visit me? It's not Christmas. And uh, none Mm. of these uh, events, they weren't scary. I always imagined these elves as bringing gifts for me. And they would be, I would be summoned outside and they'd be waiting on top of like a, a, you know, the roof of a, balcony kind of deal, and they would hand me down a gift, and it was never scary um or anything what but kind
0: of what what kind of gifts
1: it would be like a box like an actual uh you know, like a Christmas gift, really it would really? be like a wrapped up a box and yeah, and, and I don't when you opened it, what was inside I don't know I don't what? remember ever yeah I don't know if it's a screen memory for something else because well, I don't you, think you, that you, they you really didn't, keep- you, you you didn't keep these. I'm sure I did <laughs> in one way or another, but, um, I just thought I didn't know why Santa's elves were coming, you know? And, um, but in my twenties, I started uh no,
0: wait, let's just let's not leave Santa's elves. Okay. What did right they look on? like?
1: Uh, they look like grays, tall grays. That, that's what I would call them now. Back then there was no uh, such thing, but it's interesting because, uh, that's the last time I remember a contact with grays, and it was not scary um, because, you know, later on it became a totally different – well, I've, we can get into this. I heard the Anunnaki work with the grays because the grays are truly one of the greatest geneticists in the bigger picture, and the data that
0: they collect is available to all the different races. Um, so Okay, well, let, let, let's not skip ahead. Uh, roughly, how yeah, old were you when you, when you had these contacts? About five, six. OK. And a lot of times it would be when my family
1: and I were on vacation and we'd be like in the woods in Virginia and things like that is when a lot of these visitations would occur.
0: How many in your family?
1: Uh, right now, well, see, I was adopted. So, oh. um, yeah, I'm an, uh, an only child with my parents that raised me. Um, but because of the History Channel thing, I did reach out and I met my uh, birth mother and my two half sisters. And that's when I found out about my Indian heritage because that's another thing to get into. I didn't know at that time. Um, so, And I found out I have a pretty famous biological father. And that's a little weird to talk about, but it is what it is. And Bill Burns featured it in his UFO hunters book because I found out because they asked me to approach and find out who my adopt, adoptive uh, parents was. Do you want to know who it is? And I wanna, Yeah, sure. Of course. It's Eric Clapton. Isn't that crazy?
0: That is totally, <laughs> totally crazy. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, I can tell you it's true, too. But
0: So you know this, what, from DNA testing?
1: Uh, no, no DNA testing. Um, it's from now meeting my birth mother and things that she's told me that it has turned out to be absolutely accurate, and um, especially about you know, it, <laughs> it, it's a deep subject, you know. Um, hey, we have three hours. Yeah, right on. Um, th- the whole story of what happened is very much a part of what I've learned is how things truly are working with
0: secret well, society. Well, then we need ah, to know oh. more to understand. So, yeah, get into it if you want to. Um, well... The well man, this gets weird
1: because it's like
0: uh
1: I mean, I just this don't is the other side of it.
0: midnight. Nothing on the other side of midnight is either paranormal or weird. Remember, if it happens, it's real.
1: Um, you know, for instance, I started to find out she said that um that Eric knew that he wasn't of a normal bloodline and <laughs> like knew, told her as much and, um, said that if pretty much they were angelic and, um, that he knew the whole planet was being lied to for some reason and not told the truth. And, um, he had a guardian, um, as far as, you know, uh, being raised into this family. And this guardian was not a nice person. And, um, this
0: is a human guardian here on Earth,
1: right? Yes, yes. Um, he, he was brought up right in the middle of Bad, Team Bad Cop, you know, and um, fought back growing up. She was made to participate in, like, eyes wide shut kind of sexual things. Oh, so, okay. And, um, you know, uh, the truth of the matter is it was almost being, like, set up from higher levels because the two bloodlines is Erie Montauk, which the Erie Indians used to be in the New York area, but you'll find out they became the Seminole. No one knows that from Florida, but um, they moved out of the New York area and went into Florida. And um, there's a whole piece of missing history that I'd be more than happy to share. But that bloodline, which is a mound builder, Native American Indian bloodline, and Robbie Robertson is part of the same bloodline as well from the band. And you find out Eric produced his album where he went, got, went back to his Native American roots. I think it was 2014. And uh, they both worked together. Eric played on a couple songs. They're both very um, a part of that family. And as you know, you know what? It's not nothing's just black and white, there's a lot of good people. In dark places, and they become whistleblowers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like there's light and dark in everything. And he uh, he didn't like what they were doing to him, and you know. So it's when, a weird. When you t-
0: say he you mean you mean Clapton?
1: Yes, yes. And um, they threw a monkey wrench in because I guess he had. Um, and I know this is some weird shit. I never really get into this. But um, he had some like childhood issues of like gnomes and trolls. And so the Illuminati, as the story goes and as it was told to me and I believe it, um, they would make him participate in these like eyes wide shut kind of stuff. But they would have him drugged out of his mind and having sex with like prostitutes. They had drugged to the point of death. And they put a troll mask over these girls. Some of them, uh, you know, it was really horrible shit that was going on. And make a long story short, me and my mother, which is Iroquois. So what I want to tell you is, you know, the serpent clan um, of the Native American Indians, the dragons, um, there's both light and dark factions. The light comes through the Iroquois Seneca. The Erie Montauk reflected a negative polarity. So you can imagine the chance of having... A individual born that had both bloodlines of good cop, bad cop, Nephilim, Anunnaki, human hybrid bloodline in one person would be slim to none. It's kind of like Romeo and Juliet, you know. These mm. tribes were at war with one another for almost all of our history. So they knew this certain individual they were wanting to return. Um they would know who he was of their bloodline because he would have both bloodlines running through their veins. Well, as it turns out, that's me um, through Eric's bloodline. And that went, they became Celtic. They went very long ago. Um, you know, instead of Erie-ish, they became known as the Irie-ish and the Irish. And you find a lot of similarities between their culture and the Native American Indian mount builder culture. But anyhow, so you can see from higher up, there was a total mixture going on, which he told her because what they done is they threw a monkey wrench in my mother's relationship with him and said, You're just a dancer, you know, he's gonna become Eric Clapton's solo star because he was in cream at that time. And um uh they took my mother without Eric knowing and put a, a troll mask on her and drugged her out of her mind and brought Eric in to participate in these weird ritual things. And at one point they pulled the mask off, you know, and uh, Eric was, Oh my God, this is my love. And, uh, you know, my birth mother was like, Oh my God, how could you do this to me? Mm -hmm. So it came to the point where he said, listen, if you'll go with me to England, I don't care what they do to us. I'll, we'll go with the child. Um, and we'll face whatever happens. But if you don't want to do that and you can't forgive me and don't believe that I had no idea what was happening, you have to let me know right now. Uh, and, uh, and if not, you need to give up the baby because the baby will never be safe. Uh, uh, or you or, nor the baby will never be safe if it's known what happens. So, uh, here I am. You know,
0: so she came to the United States or came back to the United States.
1: Yeah, she was Iroquois, she was never English. She, um, she lives in uh, New uh, Pennsylvania right now, and you'll find out around the Kinzu Dam, uh, there was a large Iroquois, um, uh, settlement. Um, a lot of people there. A matter of fact, it was in the fifties that a lot of like hundreds of them got relocated up into New York. And Johnny Cash was very into trying to be a voice of truth for them and did some, some nice documentaries on that. But anyhow, that's where my great grandmother, great, great grandmother who was pure blood Seneca. And so that's why my um, birth mother from the iroquois seneca was now living in pennsylvania well when cream came to america to tour uh they went through pennsylvania quite a lot and they played a place called um sailors and soldiers hall and um during that my birth mother was a go-go dancer and she got the gig to go and go-go dance for cream and her and eric hit it off and i was their
0: offspring So that's when they first met? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the reason this is so interesting is because by separate lines of research, totally separate, this ET off-world relationship, you know, family, cousins, whatever, Mm -hmm. is definitely coming to the fore. I mean, this is not really outrageous at all. What is outrageous is the idea that there is, at some level, some hyperdimensional level, there's ritual magic going on to affect some end some objective when you say like eyes wide shut rituals mm-hmm. do you do you know the, the the objectives for these rituals
1: i do not but you know i do now i uh i was asked to attend what is the native american indian most sacred ceremony spiritually that they have and it's called the sun dance and uh, um that's when I was taken before. You know, this is a four-day fest festival, and uh, it's called a sun dance because these these sun dancers are going to go in and they are going to march and keep their feet going, staring at the sun um, for four days straight, no food, no water. I didn't even know that was possible, but um, they do it. But as they do this, as a show of support for, you know, it's truly giving your power away to an illusionary outside source. But um, sooner or later, if, if this guy that is supposed to be in charge of being in contact with, in quotes, spirit, says that person needs pierced, well, they get n- these huge needles that are like the size of uh, like small cigars. Good, grief. Pu- push through their flesh, and um, they get attached to a tree, and um, they so got. a fruit sounds of- like
0: some kind of crucifixion ritual.
1: It is As a matter of fact. When all this broke, and I didn't, because this you're being tested by spirit at this point, point. and um, when I pretty much I didn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't participate in their flesh and blood sacrifice ceremony, period. And at that point, the chief, the Sundance chief, who was sitting next to me, said, Michael, we're so glad that you did not participate, that spirit looks upon anyone who participates in these flesh and blood sacrifice blood ceremonies as prostitute. And he pointed out to um, the Sundancers, and he said, this is all about self-inflicted suffering brought about through one's own free will. He said, uh, when you invoke your I am and step into your sovereignty, it's like, he said, so here's what happened, how he revealed himself that he's Yahweh. I mean, I didn't even know this stuff was real. Um, he said, Michael, I work with the seven lords of light and the seven lords of darkness. And I'm the only one who sits in the middle of those two sides. And I am the only one who holds a seat on both Light and dark sides. And um, so after this meeting, I've, uh, we've known each other so long now, um, man, I'm going to be skipping real uh, too far ahead here, but I was in the truck with them recently and because spirit now had led me to the information that the name Yahweh was known to the Native American Indians, both the Cherokee and the Iroquois, long before the First Testament of the Bible. And a matter of fact, this is just fact that the first oldest Ten Commandments ever found written in ancient Hebrew was found in Ohio, in the Newark Earthworks. They're in a museum right now. Um, And the first menorah was here as well. This is where the Sangreal bloodline went to is America long before. And I know, see, I'm not even religious in these ways, but this is, you know, there's DNA proof now that comes in the form of, it's called haplogroup X2A. And it was only found in 1998. That's not that long ago to find a brand new blend, uh bloodline, a DNA Mm -hmm. bloodline. And what it was is haplogroup X2A like throws all the history books upside down because it only exists three places on this planet right now. One is the Native American Indian tribes, mostly the Iroquois. um, And it is at least three percent. Could be much higher, but a lot of Native Americans haven't had their blood work done. It's that simple. But when you go back in time, you'll find that haplogroup X2A is the bloodline of the giants, these tall skeletal remains that have been removed out of these earth mounds. Mm. And this is an interesting talking point in itself because I am haplogroup X2A. Um, so at one point, there's no doubt about it. We had giant stature. Now... Or not. The genetic work doesn't seem to be done. But anyhow, when you keep going back in time, where you find the largest concentration of haplogroup X2A, which would tell you, well, this is where it came from. It's the hills of Galilee. This is the Holy Grail, Sangreal bloodline that the Templars brought back to America. Um, so I asked them, Because I found out that the name Yahweh was known to the natives long before the Bible. And we were in the truck. I looked him eye to eye. And he was the Sundance chief that revealed all this to me. There's a lot more to that story, believe me. Um, But I said, I know this sounds weird and not to be really blunt, but spirit has led me to the, the realization that you are Yahweh, Enlil, my brother. And he said, yes, I've done some pretty messed up things. That was his first words to me. And I said, well, haven't we all? And he said, but no one knows who Yahweh or Enlil is anymore anyhow, so I just go by chief. And this individual has already been on Ancient Aliens. He's one of the most prominent chiefs of uh, you know the Native American Indian tribes as it is. Um, that's an interesting story in itself because you can imagine, I never knew of my Indian
0: heritage. Well, I'll tell you what, let us— stop here. We're at the bottom Mm -hmm. of the hour. My guest this morning is Michael Lee Hill, who, as you can now tell, is going to be a very interesting conversation for the rest of the morning. We're going to loop back and pick things up when he was a child, kind of a dawning awareness of things that would come true later. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland, and we shall return. The Other Side of Midnight. Be sure to catch our complete live show every Saturday and Sunday night at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight eastern, for a full three hours of this kind of exploration. And be sure to visit the Other Side of Midnight.com as you listen so you can follow our special Radio with Pictures guest page simultaneously. But can see That Our hardworking producer specifically prepares to illustrate the topics discussed each show. Why? Because there is vital additional information on that radio with pictures guest page that I assure you will immeasurably enhance your understanding and enjoyment what our guests are describing. I mean, would you rather listen to a guest talk about NASA images of ancient artifacts on Mars or simultaneously be able to follow the official NASA images showing you as you're listening the ruins? If you'd like to listen at your convenience to all our shows, including our unique radio pictures feature, please visit the other side of midnight.com and click on the join club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. Okay, what do you get with your club 19.5 membership? Besides helping the show literally stay on the air. Well, first of all, you will exclusively, this is not available to the general public, enjoy our enhanced ad-free podcast, Perceives Chris Bell, automatically downloading all the latest The Other Side of Midnight shows directly to your favorite podcast device so you can listen when you want to. Further, as a full Club 19.5 member, you will gain exclusive access to our The Other Side of Midnight 24-7 chat server, what I can't help calling the Open Hailing Frequencies Room, which is available only to members 24-7. Now, during the show, that's where you will find other 19.5 members and sometimes even members of the bridge crew, my guests, and even me uh, when I have time. Regardless, you can always relay live questions to me during the show just by going to the Open Hailing Frequencies room. Of course, when we're not on the air with your 19.5 membership, you can visit our Club 19.5 radio archives anytime and download all our shows directly to your computer which will automatically provide you a screen size that allows you to really examine the remarkable images Kintia posts for each show. Okay, here's where I need to get kind of super serious. Club 19.5 is how our show is currently solely supported. In my hopefully not vain attempt to keep commercials to a minimum. If you're concerned about keeping us on the air, if you want to hear information that has been vetted far more and perhaps any other show. The best way to ensure that is to join Club 19.5 and get your friends and family to join too. And if you don't know already, when I drop by open hailing frequencies, you can even ask me directly what the ultimate meaning is behind 19.5, literally the most exclusive club in the world. Please join me and my interesting guests on this very stream every Saturday and Sunday night at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern. And be sure to come back and listen to our live three-hour shows. Thanks for listening. And now, back to the show. back on this Sunday night, on the other side of midnight. My guest this morning is Michael Lee Hill. And he's kind of started us off in a very interesting direction because it turns out, and this was jogging my memory. So during the break, I actually looked it up. The Iroquois played a very crucial role in the formation and foundation of the Constitution of the United States. And since we already know from other data that the United States is formed to do something really, really, really important coming up in not-too-distant future, this is kind of coming together in an interesting way. And what I find <laughs> intriguing, Michael, is that you've got light and dark embodied in the same group. And my question then is, what is what is the conflict between the light and the dark? What are they warring over? Is it us is it homo sapiens on the planet is it the future yes. of earth it was implemented a very long time ago
1: because when you know they came i guess you know you need to kind of know who the anunnaki are but you know the, as the story goes no wait um, wait you
0: you keep throwing that term around anunnaki there may be some yeah. people in the audience who don't know who the anunnaki are which is a term that comes mm-hmm. from the middle east has nothing well, overtly to do with Native Americans. So how are you mixing hmm. your metaphors? How do the Iroquois, the Seneca, the Erie, the Seminoles, how do they fit into an Anunnaki paradigm? So start out by explaining who the Anunnaki are. Right on. They uh,
1: The Anunnaki are said, and this is in actual um, Sumer, pre-Egypt, Sumerian clay tablets that have now started to, become decoded, but there's still thousands upon thousands of tablets that haven't even been decoded yet. But um people might know back in Sumer, pre-Egypt, that mankind came out of the gate pretty much with full functioning culture, with you know, art and music and Math and actually, it's interesting. The time, our method of timekeeping, was given to us um, back then as well. And mathematically, this idea of dividing a whole unit by 12, whether it's 12 inches in a foot, you know, uh, 12 hours in a day, and you know, right there, how they encoded time. Look at how many seconds is in 12 hours. It's 43,200. Um, so even right out of the bat, they've been trying to guide us into these cosmic harmonious frequencies and drip-feeding us, waiting for us to awaken to this information. So I think it's so important what we're doing right now. Okay, but, hang, on, um, hang
0: on, hang on, hang on. That's, mm-hmm. that's the good guys. What are the bad yes. guys trying to do?
1: Well, because at one point, the Anunnaki scientists found out that there was going to be what Charles Hepgood called um, a pole shift. You know, um, he wrote a book called The Path of the Pole. No, uh,
0: maybe yeah, that, that is the name of it. Yes. Uh, right so.
1: on. And um, Albert Einstein wrote the preface and he said, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just physics. When the ice caps reach maturity, they're going to want to relocate to the equator. And it curls, pulls the crust with it. And it's not really survivable on the surface.
0: Well, so hang back on, then. Hang on, hang on. That was mm-hmm. their model of what causes it. I agree with what they have written but i don't think that's the cause the cause is back to the physics that are part of these numbers we're going to talk about at great length so, that makes a lot of sense to me um well think of it think you know you're a musician think of it as harmonious chords and then discords or if you really want to get eerie and you know get the puckerfacker going across the planet think of fingernails on a blackboard the physics wants to be rhythmic if there's discord, if there's dissonance, if there are unharmonious frequencies that louse up the, the 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 even frequencies, that's when bad things happen in the physics and happen to planets and stars and galaxies and whatever. It's all about harmony or discord ultimately in the frequencies of the physics.
1: Makes total sense, because you know, you start to find out that you know everything is light and sound in this physical reality and um sound well what's sound you know it's it is 432 it's interesting because we can get into
0: this with the e equals mc squared 432 okay, before we do that i, I want to go back and try mm-hmm. to be linear we we left you at 5 meeting with a whole bunch of little guys who were your friends who you think of as akin to the grays mm-hmm. and they Gave you gifts and you can't remember and you didn't save any of the gifts, which I find really interesting, because that says symbolism, symbolism. Okay, uh, and then you obviously all of us do. You 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 grew. What did mm-hmm. you do from childhood meeting extraterrestrials to where you became a conscious adult, wondering what the hell am I doing in this place?
1: Well, I went the 3D route, you know, I became a manager and I tried to be a grown up and do what was expected of me. And I I got rid of all my guitars down to one guitar and a small practice. Amp so and wait, you
0: started out being a musician.
1: Mm-hmm. You, yes. you, really,
0: you really resonated, pun intended, hmm. definitely intended, with music. So growing yeah. up, you were playing music, you were doing band stuff, you were recording. You're, I mean, to, to talk about your musical life, because I had a of my life that was music, and you know, I would I would not give it away for, for an instant. So, right on.
1: I I was suckered into like the whole idea of you got to be a grown up, and you know people were like, you'll never make a living doing music or anything. And um, I worked for a company that made dollar bill acceptors for gaming, you know, like slot machines. You know mm-hmm. where you go up, you put your dollar in, it sucks it in. That's the company I worked for, and um, vending like Coca Cola machines or whatever. So I had helped them get a postal contract service. I worked there for 20 years. Wait, and got but into help you helped
0: them meaning what the company?
1: Yeah, yeah, cuz the postal service ended up getting a stamp machine that had our dollar bill acceptor in it in all the post offices in the United States. So you can imagine. I
0: remember those. Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: Um there was a $35 million contract and it was weird because at this time in my life I'd worked there for 20 years and really um work my way into a high paying position and I was working as the head, um, quality assurance, uh, guy for the whole line. Like obviously we made dollar bill acceptors for the whole world. So every note, every currency has its own magnetic signature and it's a lot of work. And I would make sure that you couldn't rip off the machines. That was my job. So, um, but simultaneously, in the late 1990s, so,
0: so so that you couldn't do what that kid did in Terminator. What was it, Terminator Two? <laughs> <laughs> what what part was that? Where where he stuck the card in with the with the laptop connected with a cable, and he was able to punch out the numbers with using the laptop and the card?
1: Oh, oh yeah, no, I'm the reason that you can't do those things. But the problem That's is, I like, yeah. If I I've never done it, but I knew. Every way to rip off every machine that's ever been made, you know. Um, but uh, a weird thing happened because in my life, my aunt was going through a divorce and went and uh, stayed with my parents. And the new husband, when he found out, he went to my parents' house and shot and killed her. And it caused oh, me wow. to hit a mental wall. Like, I was like, man. This is in your 20s. Uh, it would have been 1990s. So I was, well, Yeah, late 20s, somewhere in there. Um, uh, I really made a plea to the universe. I was like, if there's anyone out there or in here, you need to speak up, you know? And um, instead of answering that call, what happened was they just gave me an unquenchable thirst for knowledge. And I started being guided to certain beds of information, yourself included. There was a store um, that sold records and DVD, uh, there's no DVDs at that time, VHS tape collections and stuff. And this was a record store. And I'd go back there and go through the science section, well, the science fiction, you know, UFOs, whatever. And mm-hmm. a lot of your presentations were there. And I was just enamored and just went through them all with a fine tooth comb. So thank you for being part oh my of my God. life for this long. Um, but uh, well, you thank, know, I was,
0: thank you for listening.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. It's uh, you know, you've opened my eyes to a bigger reality. And it's inter- it's very interesting to me that it is about, you know, multidimensional, hyper dimensional physics. Cause that's what this all comes down to and how really energy works in the universe and aligning oneself with it and what's possible, you know.
0: See, this gets back to my question. You got good guys and bad guys. Mm-hmm. We know what the good guys are trying to do. All right. But what are the bad guys trying to do? And what's their, when they, what do they get by keeping the rest of us down on the farm? This
1: goes all the way back to the pole shift thing in the story of the Anunnaki. Because um, in the, as the story goes, this individual, his name was Ia Inki, he was not a pure blood. He was the firstborn of the king of their world named Nibiru. Now, I'll just tell you that they said that's our name for them, that they call their planet the Saami. And the people of the Sa'ami are the Sa'am, and the the Sa'am translated into the Western culture is Sam, S-A-M. And when you deal – like, because we could talk about this in a while, but I got um, –
0: wait, 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 wait. You mean like Uncle Sam? Yeah, right. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah, the yeah. The United cause... States was formed on the foundation of an Iroquois uh, confederation. So glad you brought that ul- up. And away. ultimately – we wind up with a a totem called Uncle Sam. And this all goes back to ancient, ancient, ancient humans off-planet that derived from a planet called Sa'am. It begins to, there's there's kind of a trend here, don't you think?
1: It's all connected more so than people know because truly you find out it was our forefathers, Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson and... uh, uh, there's another guy that early on went to the Seneca to because you gotta remember, coming from Europe, it wasn't we the people. You know what I mean? This was a no. system of governance that they learned from the Iroquois because what you find out is the Iroquois for a long time in their history were not united. Right now they're a confederacy and they've been at peace within one with one another for a very long time. And um but what had happened was when the European settlers started to come in, um, some of the Iroquois wanted to partner with the, you know, the European incoming, and not only did they start warring amongst themselves, um, but they were warring internally and with within themselves in even darkness. So one of them, his name was Hiawatha. A lot of people know the name, but they don't know the actual story because what I'm telling you is how the Iroquois became unified and later on went to become the forefathers of the United States of America. America means land of the serpents, by the way. Isn't that
0: interesting? Isn't that interesting? Yes, of course. Yeah, because truly – um Not named after Amerigo Vespucci, the mapmaker, et cetera, et cetera. No, but what happened
1: he- is this gets into team good cop and team bad cop because 27,000 years ago, the Anunnaki was not ruled by the firstborn, Ia Inki. They were born – I mean they were um, led by – what you need to know is Inki, Ia was not a full-blood Anunnaki himself. He was half Pleiadian. His mother was the Pleiadian queen who was married to the Anunnaki king. Their first son was, not, was a hybrid himself. So longer down the timeline, this Anunnaki king, or the king of the Sam, uh, severs that relationship and takes on an Anunnaki female, and they have another child who becomes known as Enlil. Or Ia, I mean he, that's the brothers is Ia and Enlil. Enlil mm-hmm. became known as Jehovah, and uh, because of their succession of kingship, rules of their culture, and like as a lot of earth, a uh, pure blood's going to get the throne over a half blood. So as it said, um, there's a whole reason they've actually given me the whole story of why this happened and everything. But okay, hang
0: on, hang on. Uh, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's go back. Uh, You have this personal crisis, a murder in your family. Mm -hmm. It sets you off in a direction to look to like, you know, what the hell am I doing here? There's got to be more than this. Yeah, You find a whole bunch of people, including me, talking about big picture stuff, origins Mm -hmm. of all of us, and all that. What happens next?
1: I was guided to really what just really opened my head up to some things was I was led to – a bed of spiritual information called the Seth material that oh. was channeled by a lady named Jane Roberts. And uh, boy, it was like my, my uh, asking of the universe for answers came. And I was pretty much, I would go to work and I would just open up my Seth book at break and read it for 15 minutes and then put it down. Well, pretty soon I went through everything and I. It was really hard for me to start to understand that whole law of attraction, that your mental energy is affecting your reality kind of bed of information. But sooner or later, I broke through and I kind of started to understand it. But I thought, well, I don't need to read any more books. I need to try to start applying this stuff in my life. And so through meditation and stuff, I started being guided that, you know, if you step out of your job this whole life, you'll meet who you need to meet the doors will open effortlessly, but no one can do it for you. You gotta conquer that fear
0: you so know, you had that's to make the, the first step, the first real step in change. Yes, yes.
1: So I did. I put myself on the layoff list, which was very difficult. I had a house, I had a car, but you know, I'd like to tell people: if you truly think that you're in contact with something higher and it tells you to do something, if you don't listen, you're it's probably the stupidest thing you could do. You know,
0: well, there's also hmm. if a random stranger came up to you and said, "You got to sell everything and give it to me," would you? No, of course not. No, no, so it's got to come through to know it's supernatural. Your how do you you test internally whether what you're hearing and feeling is right or you're being misled?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. uh, You got to become very uh, a connoisseur of resonance, right? Things that are of truth have a resonance and you can tune yourself to tune in, you know? But what happened was um, they ended up Letting me go, which was weird because at first, they I,
0: meaning the company, the company,
1: right? yeah. Um, I put myself on the layoff list, and the president called me in and said, I decide who gets laid off, <laughs> and you're not getting laid off. So I'm thinking, well, this creating your reality stuff isn't working
0: real well, you know.
1: <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, what the hell do I do? And I didn't know what to do. So it, for one week, I just drove to the park. I didn't call in, I didn't, I just went to the park and meditated, had one of the most unbelievable experiences with deer, by the way, which has been ongoing, but. Tell us, tell us. uh, Deer, actually, you'll find out that Inky's oldest, you know, they're called the Serpent Clan, but the Stag Clan is actually, um, they're represented by a giant deer um, standing up on its back legs, by the way, and um, it's a symbol of the Inky bloodline here on the planet, but that's we can get back into that well
0: before we get further let me just ask you this question in terms of animal totems mm-hmm. what do the totems mean do animals have personas as groups or are there individuals or i mean for instance the the uh, the, the bald eagle which is the national symbol mm-hmm. is an extraordinarily important symbol reaching all the way to lyra we now find out from my friend <laughs> yes yeah. so what do animal totems the native american pantheon mean it's
1: actually the uh inlil's bloodline is the eagle and to the native american indians eagle status is very important to them it's like christ consciousness but they wouldn't call it christ consciousness obviously but the eagle is the only bird that when trouble comes it flies above the storm it doesn't seek shelter underneath of it and it's got the bird's eye view of everything so um when you reach eagle status that's to them, it's the stat- – what I found out is because I was given my spiritual native Indian name by uh, Chief Golden Light Eagle and the, the Dakota uh, tribe that I was brought under their wing. And it's Rainbow Warrior Eagle. And um, so they told me specifically what those things mean. It's really interesting because a grandmother came up to me afterwards mm. and she said –
0: Rainbows are good. Frequencies <clears> – <throat>
1: Well, it has everything to do with frequency. She said, "You are the rainbow we've been waiting for." Oh that. My God. Okay, okay let's
0: go back to the park and your encounter with the deer, because we're coming up on the break at the top of the hour.
1: Yeah, I was sitting there just wondering so you're what the. basically trying is to going. get
0: fired, is what you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or just see, like, I, after a week, I'm like, I don't know what else to do. I'm gonna have to go back and just talk to the the president again. But while I was at the park, a whole like family of deer came out next to me within, like I could have reached out and petted them as they walked by. I was just sitting on a swing in the middle of the park by myself. But when I went in, I said, listen, you know, I've helped this company. Um, all I'm asking is you do what you've done to everyone else. I need laid off. I need the money. I need the unemployment. I got a house I need. And he said, listen, if you'll stay to the last wave, we'll give you a nice severance package and everything. And I said, thank you so much. So all of a sudden. I didn't have a job, you know, and it was a really good feeling, actually, because up until that point, I could project in the future and go, oh, I'm going to be 60. I'm going to be making X amount of money at that time and have a nice house and stuff. Mm. But it just it seemed boring to me.
0: So this is like being reborn. And it's like, what do you do with the rest of your life? Yeah,
1: yeah. And well, I'll tell you, five months went by and no magical doors opened, No one. You know no patience prudence, n- patience, it was uh, you know that voice of you know, oh, I've screwed up that self-doubt, you know, it started mm-hmm. speaking loudly and uh and what had happened was um in about the fifth month, I had the most lucid vision in it, and when in this in this vision, I was led down a corridor in it and, and when
0: you say vision, are we talking about wide awake vision or no,
1: same? this was deep in sleep at night. But realistic. it was okay. It was lucid. In the, like, I, I have these dreams sometimes that are very prophetic, which you'll see. Um, and they have a different quality to them. And this is one of them. And I was led down this corridor. And when we entered the hall, there was this musician who is just a huge inspiration to me. He's a Grammy award winner. His named Steve Vai. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the musician. No, no, He played for Frank Zappa. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, seven years as he was his head transcriber of music. Plus, he was given the job of uh, um, Impossible Guitar Parts by Frank Zappa. But when uh, David Lee Roth quit Van Halen, he got Steve I to play for him. So he's that level of cat, you know. So in it, I'm led down this corridor and here's Steve I in there. And um, he's playing this song. I remember it was very spiritual and it's called There's a Train That's Leaving. And he kind of levitated over to where I was. At and all of a sudden, there's this big crescendo in the music, and it stops, and there's dead silence. He goes, Welcome aboard. <laughs> but when you said welcome aboard, it was like in that movie God Voice, you know, and it yeah. really woke me up out of the dream. I was like, What the heck was that about, you know? And I call, I got this what I call a, a WTF drawer in my brain, and I just goes goes in there a lot, a lot of stuff. And the next day I was like, something was just bugging me. I'm like, man, I feel like there's a, uh, a synchronicity waiting for me at his website. I thought, wouldn't it be weird if he's working on a song called there's a train that's leaving. And, uh, Mm -hmm. so I I went there and right when I logged onto his website, I seen this banner it said, enter the Steve Ibanez guitar challenge. And the fur on the back of my neck went up. I knew I was going to win that contest. I hadn't even- played a note on my guitar. I was just so sure I was going to win it because I just met him in this lucid vision state. And he said, welcome aboard. Well, as it turns out, I did ended up, I did end up winning this contest. Oh Um, my God. (laughs) Got flown to meet him, you know, it was like so surreal to me. And, um,
0: I mean, come on, that was a, that was a huge arrow pointing you in the right direction.
1: Yeah, it was truly a breath of fresh air, you know, because from that point forward, um, that was in 2001. Uh, You know, there was a lot of time passed before the middle of 2005 when I started really having this full on contact. So it was still a lot of time of kind of coming up out of that old system and trying to acclimate, you know, what's that called when you come up from deep depths depths, and you got to reacclimate, you know.
0: Uh, yeah, it's called – you don't want to do it all at once because you'll get the bends, and it will kill yes, you. Yeah,
1: yeah, you, you don't
0: want – It's it's called decompression.
1: Yes, yes, spiritual bends. I like that. <laughs> but um, so that started open up uh, like heaven on earth to me uh, of – Of But for a very long time, it's like as good as it got and dreams, like not only meeting Steve Vai, but there's a musician named Joe Satriani. And he's a famous guitar player as well. And another huge inspiration. Well, I was flown to a, it's called a G3 concert and both of them play at this concert. So I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get to meet Joe Satriani as well. So ended up, he offered me a guitar endorsement deal. He liked my music as well. I went on to meet so many of my musical heroes and by the way I just uh, work with Grant Cameron because he just wrote a book on how many musicians have had contact and it's pretty staggering but that's a whole another
0: uh, oh my god then we should have you guys on together that would be fantastic you know because I've known Grant for years and years and I've tried to get him on a few months ago and he was Doing something. Now I know what he was doing. Okay. So, ah,
1: right on. You know what? He uh, he walked me through. He's going to be including a new book on and getting into the messages of what was given. He said, explain this 432 stuff to me uh, like I'm a kindergartner, <laughs> you know? So I walked through everything that I know. I, I love Grant. And uh, yeah, it'd be a, an honor to do the show with him. With this. Obviously,
0: she's paying attention. We should uh, try to book these guys together in a month or so. Uh, see what Grant's schedule is, because to me, if he's doing the same kind of real high-level research that he did with the presidential aspect of ETs and ufology, mm-hmm. if he's doing it with Native Americans, it's obviously a book and research we need to pay attention to.
1: Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's coming to the forefront very soon. Like I said, I just uh, met Graham Hancock at the Serpent Mound, and it's because of his work into what this bloodline is. And um So, yeah, I told him, I said, Graham, I feel like you're the Calvary showing up to,
0: you know, communicate this story. We're at the top of the hour. My guest this morning, Michael Lee Hill. Boy, do we have stuff to talk about. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland, and we shall Return. Say a couple words here about our club, Club 19.5. As you know, if you are a regular listener, this is how you can listen anytime, 24/7, to all the past shows that you missed because you were working, or you were going to the movies, or you had a hot date, or whatever. And you can listen anywhere in the world on these little handheld gadgets now. You know, smartphones. Gosh, you can take us anywhere. Now, the other night I was going through some music and I found something. I played it last time. I'm going to play it again tonight from our friend Bobby Bright, who has written an amazing theme song. We're going to play that in the third hour. But I want to play you something that uh, he recorded that I, I literally had, had overlooked. And it's so cool. So without further ado, let me do that. Okay. Take a listen. you in to hyperdimensional one thing you'll find is essential is our club 19.5
1: it's a hyperdimensional storage case a treasure trove of outer space our club Fine. All the data we've accumulated to
0: find here titled and collated Why don't you just drop on by? shows are fine, Club 19.5. member used to chat about the show during the show, and you will have a direct channel to post a question that will be read on the air to the guest. And you'll have a place to post questions during our open hailing frequencies. We realize that not everyone wants to call in live, and this gives you an easy way to participate in a live show without having to participate. Club 19.5 members can use this private chat to talk about the shows, ask questions, suggest new guests, And I may even pop on from time to time to answer specific questions. Also, the entire bridge crew is in these participating chat channels, so you can interact with them as well. You'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.